the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. A mentor is a good thing. Someone who comes alongside of you to disciple you, encourage you, influence you, even at times challenge you, a person who can say the hard things and speak into your life. That's a, that's a good thing. And, and the Bible gives that example often. Joshua had his Moses. Timothy had his Paul. Ruth had her Naomi. Joash has his Jehoiada. But what happens when that mentor, that, that figure who inspires and encourages you, dies? This is Cornerstone Connection. The radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Kings. Many of us have a certain person in our lives that we typically look up to as an influence or an anchor as a means of support. From close friends, family members, even a spouse. Having this type of person in our lives is part of God's design for mankind. But what if that person is no longer in our lives? In today's message, Pastor Gary teaches us about the positive effects of having a role model or mentor in our lives as disciples. In our study, we learn the importance of having these individuals in our lives, as well as remaining steadfast in our faith when they're gone. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message, Standing Firm When Heroes Die. Second Kings 11 is where we will be as we make our journey through the entire Bible. Now, if you want to get a head start, you can, because the first half of our study is going to be in 2 Kings 11. The second half of our study is going to be in 2 Chronicles 24, which is just two books over. After 2 Kings, you have 1 Chronicles and then 2 Chronicles. So if you feel like it, you can get a head start to 2 Chronicles 24. Put your bulletin there. We'll be getting, we'll be getting to that passage uh, halfway through our study. Uh, but I'm going to start first here in 2 Kings 11. At verse 1, it says this, When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram and sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered. She put him and his nurse in a bedroom to hide him from Athaliah, so he was not killed. He remained hidden with his nurse at the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled the land. If you'll jump down now to verse 12, 
At verse 12, we're introduced to a guy by the name of Jehoiada. He is the priest in Jerusalem. So it says in verse 12 that Jehoiada brought out the king's son, this is Joash, and put the crown on him. He presented him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. They anointed him, and the people clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the noise made by the guards and the people, she went to the people at the temple of the Lord. She looked, and there was the king standing by the pillar, as the custom was. The officers and the trumpeters were beside the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And then Athaliah tore her robes and called out, Treason! Treason! Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders of units of a hundred, who were in charge of the troops, Bring her out between the ranks, and put to the sword anyone who follows her. For the priest had said, we must, She must not be put to death in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her as she reached the place where the horses entered the palace grounds, and there she was put to death. Jehoiada then made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. He also made a covenant between the king and the people. All the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They smashed the altars and the idols to pieces and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Then Jehoiada the priest posted guards at the temple of the Lord. He took with him the commanders of hundreds, the Karaites, the guards, and all the people of the land. And together they brought the king down from the temple of the Lord and went into the palace, entering by way of the gate of the guards. The king they then took his place on the royal throne, and all the people of the land rejoiced. And the city was quiet because Athaliah had been slain with the sword at the palace. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. Last week I mentioned to you that Ahab and Jezebel, a wicked king and a wicked queen of Israel, they have two children, Joram, who will succeed Ahab as king of Israel, and they have a daughter, Athaliah. Now, Athalia, their daughter, is this Athalia in our story here, okay? So keep that in mind. That Athalia on the, on the family tree is this Athalia in the story. Uh, she marries the son of King Jehoshaphat. So she marries a guy by the name of Jehoram. We talked about this last week, that now the evil and idolatry of Ahab and Jezebel have not only been restricted to the northern kingdom of Israel, it's now been joined to the southern kingdom of Judah through marriage between Athalia and the, and the son of King Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, he marries Athaliah, and uh, Jehoram is the king of Judah. Now, they have a son uh, whose name is Ahaziah. He was the topic of last week's study. He becomes king of Judah in place of his father, Jehoram. And the Bible tells us that Ahaziah has a few sons. It just says plural. They're unnamed, so we don't know how many he had, but he had sons. And what happens is that Jehoram dies, okay? He dies in battle. Ahaziah, last week, we're going to cross him out because he gets murdered on assignment by God, Jehu, kills Ahaziah. So he's dead now. And Athaliah is left without a husband, without a son, and without a ruler on the throne of Judah. So the throne is vacant right now. And Athaliah gets it in her head that she is going to be the sole ruler of the southern kingdom of Judah. But she's got a problem. The problem is Ahaziah has some sons. And the sons of Ahaziah are the rightful heirs of the throne. Dad has died. One of the sons, usually the oldest, not always, one of the sons should rightfully be king. So Athaliah realizes that if she wants to be the sole ruler over the land of Judah... 
She's got to eliminate anything and anyone that stands in her uh, wicked, ambitious way. So what does she do? Well, the Bible tells us here that she systematically begins to kill each of her grandsons. Okay? This is not a, a pretty woman, all right? Athalia here, pretty wicked, pretty evil. She gets a lot from her mother Jezebel, all right? So the family tree continues here. She kills all her grandsons in order to secure her reign as now the queen of Judah, sole ruler in charge of Judah. Make no mistake about this, folks. This is not a God-appointed position. This is a self-appointed position. She is wicked, the Bible tells us. She is ruthless. She is bloodthirsty. She is power-grabbing, wicked mamma, all right? Because <laughs> she's killing all her grandbabies to secure the throne. So don't think that she's some, oh, she, you know, broke the glass ceiling. Oh, this is a Margaret Thatcher. This is a gold in my ear. No, 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 no. This is wicked, evil Athalia, all right? So she's in charge now here of Judah. But I don't know whether, you know, she just lost count of how many grandchildren that she had. There was another son of Ahaziah whose name was Joash. And she doesn't kill Joash because he gets rescued. This is what the story says that we're reading here. How does he get rescued? All right, so stay with me because the family tree still grows here. Ahaziah, the father of Joash, has a sister whose name is Jehoshaphat. She's the daughter of Jehoram. So she's the aunt of Joash. Everybody with me so far? Jehoshaphat marries Jehoiada. And I'm going to put him in red because he's the high priest there in Jerusalem at the temple. So Jehoshaphat is a godly woman. She marries a godly man. He's the priest, Jehoiada. And what happens is when Athaliah goes on this rampage of killing her grandbabies, Jehoshaphat steals Joash away. She and Jehoiada take him to the temple where they hide him for six years. Now, he is one year old when all this starts happening with Athaliah killing all the grandbabies. He's one. They hide him in the temple for six years. Now, you have to think about this guy. This kid has no normal childhood, okay? He's, he's, he's spent six years hidden in a room in the temple, okay? No normal childhood. His father's been murdered. All his siblings have been murdered. His grandma's on this rampage. But he's under the witness protection program now, Okay? And so he's hidden away in the temple. He can't go to kids' birthday parties. He's, he's, you know, one through seven is the years that he spends here. He can't go to kids' birthday parties. He can't have kids over to the temple because he's in hiding, okay? He can't go out for recess because Grandma Thalia, the wicked witch of the West, is going to find this guy, and she's going to kill him. So he's, he's huddled in this room for six years, okay? Now, here's what happens. Jehoiada, the priest, his uncle, is this godly man. And when Joash turns seven... I don't know if there's anything magical about age seven, but, you know, maybe, maybe Jehoiada's thinking, how much longer can I keep this kid locked in a room? When he turns seven, Jehoiada brings him out with kind of pomp and circumstance, okay? And he's going to anoint Joash, seven years old, as the next king of Israel, uh, Judah, rather, the southern kingdom. So Jehoiada calls all the priests, all the Levites, and he says, I want you guys all to come to the temple. I need you to surround Joash. You're going to be like... Secret service, you need to protect them, okay? You're bodyguards for this, for this little boy. And he calls the army of Judah, and they come together, and, and, they, and they start having this coronation service for young Joash. Now, I picture him here. He's seven years old, so I picture him up on a little stool in his jammies, you know? 
and he's all wide-eyed because this is the first time he's come out of a room in six years. You know, and all the people of Israel are gathered there and he's looking at them. His eyes are big as dinner plates and he's got bedhead, you know, he's, and he's standing there. And, 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 and so with his bedhead, you know, Jehoiada, the priest says, you know, let's slick it down with some olive oil. So he pours olive oil over the kid's head and he literally anoints him. You are the next king of Israel. And it says there in our story, verse 12, all the people clap their hands and they rejoice. They, they honor him and acknowledge him as the next king. You get the idea here that they're so tired of Athalia. We'll take a second grader, you know. <laughs> that wicked woman, we want, we want her gone. We'll take the second grader. Sure, bring the kid out. We didn't even know he was in hiding. And here the people are rejoicing. Here he is now seven years old and he's made the king of Judah. Well, Athalia. She hears all this. She's in the palace. And she's like, what's going on down there? And so she makes her way down to the temple area. And, and, here, and here she sees this kid. She's like, who's the kid in the party hat? You know, he's wearing the crown. It's all been pushed down over his ears, you know, way too big. And she, who's that kid? What's going on here? And, and they're like, well, news to you, Athalia. Joash, one of your grandbabies, you didn't manage to kill. We stole him away. We've had him here in hiding the last six years in the temple. He is the rightful heir to the throne of Judah. He's the seed of David, the descendant, who is rightfully on the throne, and we are making him king today. And she's like, you're not making him king over my dead body. And they're like, sure, okay. (laughs) So they kill her. They make Joash king of Judah, and then they kill Athalia. But Jehoiada says, let's not kill her in church. Let's take her out to the parking lot. They kill her out in the parking lot. So she, she's gone now, all right? And Joash, seven years old, king of Judah. How'd you like to be seven and in charge of a country? And there he is. Now, what really is happening here is, you know, a seven-year-old, they can't really rule a nation, right? So what is happening is that Jehoiada, his uncle, the godly priest, is speaking into his ear. I mean, he's this little boy here. He can barely tie his shoes, and he doesn't know how to run a country. And so Jehoiada begins to tell him, here's, here's what you need. And he coaches him, and he mentors him. And one of the first things that happens here immediately after he's anointed king is it tells us in the story in verse 18 that the people of Judah, they all rushed down to where the temple of Baal was built, which is this false idolatrous temple, which kind of is an indication of the spiritual climate of the day because, you know, they were all in idolatry such that they would build a temple to a false god. Okay, and think about it, too, with Athalia. You know, there's a commentary in her spiritual life because she never went to the temple, obviously, in six years, or she would have seen her grandson hiding in there. So the whole nation has been in a state of spiritual decline for years, not just with Athalia, but also with her mother Jezebel and her father Ahab. Wicked, idolatry, all kinds of perversion and all this stuff. Well, as soon as Joash is anointed king, all the people go down, they tear down the temple of Baal, they tear down the altars of Baal and all the idols. Now, you know a seven-year-old isn't, is, you know, they isn't tuned in enough to, to make that kind of a directive, okay? He just, he just barely woke up and got out of a room for the first time in six years, okay? But it's Jehoiada who's whispering into his ear, you know what? First thing we need to do, we need to clean house. You need to tell the people, go on down and tear down the temple of Baal. Okay, you, you guys need to go down and tear down the temple. How do you say his name? Baal, Baal, tear down the Baal, tear down Baal. And do, and what? Crush the idols, yeah, crush the idols. Let's go, you know, and so off they go. But this seven, already seven years old. But he's getting the godly instruction from Jehoiada. Jehoiada is this guy who's speaking to his ear. Now, the thing that Joash is most known for in his reign of Judah is the refurbishing of the temple of the Lord. You see, Joash, as he grows physically and spiritually, 
under the mentorship of Jehoiada. He actually is a guy that the Bible refers to as doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I want you to go here to chapter 12 now. Glance ahead to chapter 12, first two verses of chapter 12. It says, In the seventh year of Jehu, he was the king of Israel to the north, Joash became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 40 years total. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. And verse 2 says, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years Jehoiada the priest instructed him. And again, the thing that he was most known for was this refurbishing of the temple of the Lord. And the Bible says that he hired stonecutters and masons and carpenters. And, you know, I don't know what kind of condition the temple was in, but he obviously thought this needs to be refurbished and built back up and beautified. And so it tells us further here in chapter 12, keep looking with me, verse 11. It says that when the amount had been determined, the amount of money, that is, the people had been bringing their offerings to the house of the Lord and when the amount had been determined, they gave the money to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And with it, they paid those who worked in the temple of the Lord, the carpenters and builders, the masons and stonecutters. They purchased timber and dressed stone for the repair of the temple of the Lord and met all the other expenses of restoring the temple. Okay, and, and, and this in large part is why Joash was seen as a good king, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And, you know, he refurbished the temple and he, and he brought in, he ushered in spiritual renewal and revival, the breaking down of the temple and the altar of Baal. And so there's a spiritual revival in the land. Uh, the, the temple itself in Jerusalem has been refurbished and Joash is doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He's a good king for now. But if you notice again, back up at verse 2, here in chapter 12, back up in verse 2, the second half of verse 2. Because the first half says, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And I, and I wish it ended there and, and that, you know, everybody lived happily ever after. But the last part of verse 2 says, all the years Jehoiada the priest instructed him. That Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. All the years that Jehoiada the priest instructed him. But the moment that Jehoiada the priest died... Good King Joash was no longer good. Now, one of the benefits we have in the Bible, especially as it relates to the story of the kings, is that we have a duplicate version as kind of supplemental stories uh, to help us fill in the gaps. It's somewhat like in the New Testament, when you want to study the life and ministry of Jesus, you, know, you don't only have Matthew, you also have Mark, Luke, and John, and the four Gospels complement each other, and you get the fuller picture. Same kind of thing happens in the story of the kings of Israel and Judah. Because not only do we have First and Second Kings, but we have First and Second Chronicles. And some of the details that kings may not have, Chronicles does, and vice versa. And in our story here, there's some details in Second Chronicles 24 that I want us to see. So if you'll go to Second Chronicles 24, I want you to see what happens after the death of Jehoiada the priest because it affects Joash in a, in a bad way. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, let me draw your attention to verse 15. It says, Now Jehoiada was old and full of years, and he died at the age of 130. So this guy, this good priest lives a long life. Verse 16, He was buried with the kings in the city of David because of the good he had done in Israel for God and his temple. Your, your attention for a moment. He dies at the ripe old age of 130. He does such good for God and the temple and the people that he gets a royal funeral. 
He is buried among the kings in the city of David. This is unprecedented. A priest who is going to be honored and treated just like a king, he did that much good for the nation that he's buried among the kings in the city of David. And now he has died. And keep reading with me, verse 17. This is where Joash's life goes off the rails. Verse 17, after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. They abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and worshipped Asherah poles and idols. Because of their guilt, God's anger came upon Judah and Jerusalem. And although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, and though they testified against them, they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, the priest. He stood before the people and said, This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands? You will not prosper. Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. But they plotted against him. And by the order of the king, now this is Joash, by order of the king, they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. King Joash did not remember the kindness Zechariah's father Jehoiada had shown him, but killed his son, who said as he lay dying, May the Lord see this and call you to account. At the turn of the year, the army of Aram, this is Syria, marched against Joash. It invaded Judah and Jerusalem and killed all the leaders of the people. They sent all the plunder to their king in Damascus. Although the Aramean army had come with only a few men, the Lord delivered into their hands a much larger army. Because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers, judgment was executed on Joash. When the Arameans withdrew, they left Joash severely wounded. His officials conspired against him for murdering the son of Jehoiada the priest, and they killed him in his bed. So he died and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Very interesting and tragic end to this guy's life. Notice the contrast. He was buried in the city of David, but not among the kings. Jehoiada the priest was buried among the kings, but not the king himself, because he was a wicked man at the end of his life. Now, let me say this before I make a few points here in the, in the last 15 minutes or so of our service. Look, a mentor is a good thing. Someone who comes alongside of you to disciple you, encourage you, influence you, even at times challenge you, a person who can say the hard things and speak into your life, that's a, that's a good thing. And, and the Bible gives that example often. Joshua had his Moses. Timothy had his Paul. Ruth had her Naomi. Joash has his Jehoiada. But what happens when that mentor, that, that figure who inspires and encourages you, dies or moves away or worse yet, falls? Will you still stand strong in your faith? Joash didn't. What went wrong? Well, I think that Joash violated three principles in three words. He violated investment, he violated instruction, and he violated influence. The three laws of investment, instruction, and influence in the life of a believer. The first one is this. He violated, and, and this is the question posed to all of us, will we still stand strong when a hero dies? The first thing that he violated was investment, okay? You must make a personal investment in your own relationship with God. You must own it for yourself. No relationship with the Lord 
can be built or sustained on the back of another person. You must know the Lord for yourself. What a fantastic time we've had studying Second Kings together today. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue to dig into the story of God working through history and nations to shape, discipline, and preserve His people, Israel. We at Cornerstone Connection would love the opportunity to serve you further as God writes your own story in His redemptive plan. We have companion resources for you on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, where Pastor Gary offers a deeper look into several of his studies to help you gain a better understanding of the Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast or take us anywhere with a mobile app. Cornerstone Chapel is located in Leesburg, Virginia, and we'd love for you to join us for weekend services or our Wednesday night Bible study and fellowship time. Our Sunday services begin at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m., and Wednesday nights begin at 7 p.m. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you have any questions for us, feel free to call 703-771-1500. We continue to pray for you, that you would understand the greatness of God's love for you. We have loved our time together today and invite you to join us again for the next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.